Welcome everyone to the latest episode of HR Tech Chat. And with us today, we have David Barak, who is Chief Marketing Officer of CloudPay. Welcome, David. Hey, Frank. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, we had a we had a good conversation with a uh, one of your colleagues uh, several weeks ago. It may have, might have even been over a month ago, but but it was super interesting around just some of the challenges um, with with uh, global global payroll, and, and and that's that's just to say challenges with global payroll feels like an like an understatement. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, and. And I know that you know we've we've talked about cloud, you know, delivering payroll through the cloud on a global scale. What are some of the idiosyncrasies there? Some of those challenges. What are you know? What are some of the newest trends in in payroll? And can you do them on a global scale, like on-demand pay? And and uh, and I know there's some there's some new things that well they may not be new uh, because this is this some of this lays lies resides right at the the right at the outer limits of my understanding so i'm looking forward to learning a little bit today as well uh, but you know ideas around payment factories and things like that uh, i mean there's plenty to talk about where would you like to start well i think it's just it's such a misunderstood part of the hdm suite um you know so just just quickly, CloudPay is an organization that does global payroll across 130 countries. We've been doing that for some 25 years. And, and one of the things that you realize when you speak to just a payroll practitioner in the US, right? You just say, okay, well, where do you do payroll? And they give you a couple of states. Maybe they do payroll in Pennsylvania and New York. Pennsylvania alone has so many municipalities. And if you're doing payroll there, you've got to know about local taxes you've got to pay. You've got to know about the you know, the, the specific earned income taxes you've got to pay. So that's complex enough. Now, add to that the entire U.S., when we throw in Canada, Mexico, Germany, and France. Can you yeah. that, right? So, so one of the things that's really interesting to us is how do you make something that seems so difficult a part of the process that organizations can wrap their head around? Yeah. And, and some of the things you mentioned, Brent, around cloud technology, they certainly enable standardization because that's one of the biggest challenges in global payroll. You've got so many processes that are different by region, by municipality, by country, that you naturally have fragmentation of process. Mm -hmm. And a lot of smaller companies, you know, they kind of grow organically into new countries. They get talent from new locations, and they create these stopgap measures for how to manage payroll in those locations. Yeah. But once you get to a certain size, and you know, your board asks you, well, what is my total cost? Uh, how many employees do I have in different regions? You know, and those are some of the basic questions that we see multinational organizations struggle with. And then if you want to get really, really interesting around, well, what is my employee experience across all of these regions, right? I'm trying to create something that's culturally aware, that is simple and actually speaks well about the brand. There are tangible and intangible things about the employee experience you can measure, right? So once you start getting into that, most organizations are very ill-equipped to answer those questions. And, and that's where we see this idea of global payroll coming in. Mm -hmm. and, and I remember when I first started in the space, 
and we were talking about, well, hey, we can deploy a single solution for global payroll. Most people, you know, they squinted their eyes, like, I don't know about that. I don't think yeah. that's possible. And it's a healthy skepticism because it is actually very difficult. And you don't go from, you know, 40 different vendors in 40 countries doing payroll to a single solution. It, it just doesn't happen. Even if you could do it from a technology standpoint, the cultural change it requires of your organization, the willingness to centralize decision making instead of, you know, having 40 different managers, bringing that into maybe a shared service center or some kind of central role, that takes time. Yeah. So we see organizations start to kind of bring regions together. You know, maybe I'll have a different solution for each region instead of each country. And it's an interesting and kind of organic growth towards this global solution. Mm -hmm. and, and look, the pandemic's done a lot for <laughs> people right. become aware of the fact that, hey, there are legacy issues here. Should we be addressing it? So it's it's a topic, you know, we love talking about. Uh, I, I, I have so many, uh, so many thoughts in, in response to what you just said um, really interesting stuff. So, so one, you know, at 360 Insights, um, and and I swear I'm not plugging 360 Insights right now. This is just for real. We 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 speak with end users all the time, and um, and one member of uh, happens to be a member of our global executive advisory council on uh, end user. Uh, she was describing to us um, their situation. They are a global company. I need to keep them anonymous, but. Um, Actually, I don't think she's on the uh, the council. Excuse me, but anyways, they have a global organization, and uh, they. This is just a testament to this resistance to, um, or to to just fixing global payroll. Right? There's a real resistance there because you have all of these. Um, you have just sort of this balkanized, all these fiefdoms here, and and it's exacerbated by actual regional and and uh, national law regulations, regulatory environments that are actually creating these these um, these um, sort of moats for them. But anyway, mm -hmm. they are they are expending so much on labor um, just to make payroll happen. And leadership is just so resistant to um, to to just implementing a solution that would greatly uh, decrease that labor expenditure. And I, I really can't ch share share more without um, jeopardizing the anonymity yeah. here. But. And Brent, it's such a common uh, you know, response we get from organizations where maybe they bring in a modern global payroll practitioner who's, who's willing to, who understands the work required, is willing to go through that transformation process mm -hmm. and expend all of that social capital they're, they're going to need to expend. Um, mm -hmm to make this change happen, but the organizations are resistant because part of it is there's always bigger priorities than payroll for a lot of organizations, right? And I think it's, it comes from their definition of payroll, which I think is a little bit of a legacy issue. And then the other one is they haven't really seen examples of this done well. Mm -hmm. And this is where we start to see kind of the tipping point. Once we have that resistance, we know Okay, the only way we're going to overcome this resistance and help this global payroll practitioner or this CHRO centralize both their employee, you know, HR experiences with their payroll experience is when we bring other organizations that have done that successfully, right? So we have over 1,500 multinational companies on our platform, and if I showed you their logos, you'd recognize 
all of those companies because they're large global brands. So putting some of these global brands in front of those skeptics helps. Yeah. You've got to see it happen. And it's one of those things, payroll practitioners and payroll in general, it's so risk averse. You get one thing wrong, you know, it doesn't matter that your employees have the best coffee machine. It doesn't matter that they have a slide in the middle of the office. They didn't get their pay on time. Oh, that's, that's a disaster. It's absolute yeah. disaster. You're absolutely right. You know, that, that risk aversion in payroll is, is a major um, obstacle um, impasse that you need to sort of um, circumvent in order to in order to get this change happening it's really it's a it's a business transformation issue as well one of the things that you mentioned earlier is you mentioned pennsylvania by the way and and i had to laugh because pennsylvania is almost like global payroll in in one state (laughs) it's 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 500 municipalities yeah it's absolutely insane uh going back to something that occurred to me is you know, just looking at this, how how global payroll becomes a such a challenge for organizations. Well, you look at any organization that's growing from its from its origins into something big, whether you know, regardless of whether it becomes a global organization, you just mm-hmm. look at it at a national organization, something based in the U.S. or something based solely in the in Canada or even solely in I don't know. Um, you know, even China or or name a European country, right? When they go from small to large, even within one nation, there's so the growth happens as it at it at its own pace, right? And a lot of the building around that to make it work happens re- in reactively, right? And payroll is one of them, right? So 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 payroll already is something that uh, can become complex and sort of it's a reactively built system um you know just just to accommodate the growth of the company right now you add to that the additional exacerbation of it being a global company and so it makes sense it makes total sense to me that the organizations would would be faced with this with this monumental task okay here we are with all these fiefdoms what are we going to do have you ever seen i i mean i'm going to guess no but have you ever seen a company go from relatively small to global and 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 grow its global payroll capacity sort of proactively intentionally or is, have you ever seen that happen i don't know i've not seen it happen proactively you know when we talk about global payroll we typically talk about three models mm-hmm. and almost everyone starts in model one and that's the local vendor model that's where you know brett you started a company you were in the u.s now maybe you were doing your payroll on one of the HR applications that includes payroll, right? UKG, Workday, Success Factors. You have that in-house. You suddenly hire five developers in Denmark. You hire, you know, three uh, developers in the UK. So what are you going to do? You're either going to go with a global PEO model for a bit, or you might start hiring individual agencies to do your payroll for you in the UK and and Denmark. And that's actually not a bad idea to start, right? So you get three countries, small populations. Now, Brent, your company's doing just exceptionally, and all of a sudden you've got to hire people in another 20 countries. Mm-hmm. Now you've got a problem, and most organizations are going to continue kind of adding one vendor at a time. And when they step back in a year and they look back, like, well, I can't get aggregated reporting. Mm-hmm. 
I don't have a single set source of truth with my data. I can't even get my head around kind of how much am I paying all of these people? That's where organizations start to move towards model two and model three. So model two is the aggregator model and model three that we talk about is this unified platform. And it it really is an evolution. A lot of companies today skip that middle model because it's kind of just a stopgap, the aggregator model. Mm -hmm. But nobody we've seen has really kind of had that full picture of I will eventually become a global company. Let me put in the infrastructure for it. Right. Yeah. more in the HR space, like organizations are deploying, you know, UKG, Workday, the success factors, and they'll, and those HR platforms will grow and expand with the organization. But payroll doesn't often start that way for companies. Yeah. Um, I think I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, go ahead. Well, okay. Well, go ahead. Well, the, the one other thing I was going to say is I, I think. I think there are a lot of parallels for payroll in other functions. Mm. I mean, think back 15, 20 years, HR was really largely seen as an admin function, right? And one of the things that HR professionals did very well is they redefined their role. And then technology came in to help them redefine it further. Mm. The same thing happened with finance, right? You're seeing finance move to the cloud now. You're seeing finance get a lot more involved in other elements of the organization. So it's expanding its scope, as has HR. Mm-hmm. I think payroll hasn't done itself a service by just talking about the payroll process. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Too many times we're just people are talking about the payroll process. It's not a process. It's an entire employee experience. Oh, I love this. Actually, this is great what you're saying. Um, and, and frankly, we've been having some internal conversations that that align perfectly with what you're you're discuss what you're what you're painting. This picture that payroll processing is just. I mean, that's that's the final mile of the marathon. It happens to be the toughest mile, right? Because it's the last mile of the marathon. But but the payroll experience or the pay experience i mean we there there are some some out there calling it the the you know a pay experience platform or things like that right and yeah that whole pay experience i mean that's that's the entire marathon and and it, it's really interesting that and it makes and what we've been wondering is let's just i'm just going to throw this out there and um and we don't have to have an answer for it i'm just throwing it out there i'm curious what your reaction might be do the right people own payroll in the organization the typical organization do the right people own payroll or should we should we be thinking about maybe transferring ownership of processing of payroll versus the rest of pay you know, I, I think it's a really good question, right? So just on a very simple level, we see two types of organizations, one where payroll rolls up into the HR function and another where payroll reports up into the finance organization. Mm-hmm. And I think in both of those instances, you've got, I think your question is right. Is it the right people managing payroll? And I would say today and maybe for the last 15, 20 years, it is. Mm-hmm. But as you introduce more technology and automation, you're going to need less and less people doing the manual Excel work. You're going to need less and less people data crunching. So yeah. what happens to the payroll function all of a sudden when it's more automated? Well, you'll still need people to interpret compliance and regulations. That is kind of a, you know, 
a, a higher level activity for a payroll practitioner, I think. And you're also going to need people to think about more broadly, what are the various touch points that pay has in the employee experience? Mm-hmm. So it's not so much that whether it's the right people or not, I think it's more that are those people willing to take the next step in their evolution and their career? Yeah. I think it's an exciting opportunity for someone in payroll to become even more dynamic and to be able to come to the table and say, look, we're doing some things in payroll that are going to both make the organization you know, more attractive to work for. Yeah. We're going to do some things in payroll, and you're seeing this with things like on-demand pay coming in, right? Mm-hmm. Organizations are now thinking, what can I do in the way I pay to make myself both more attractive to employees, to reduce financial, Im- improve financial well-being for employees, right? You've got all these stats around absenteeism and financial stress and what that does to employees. So I think there's a whole new arena coming in, coming up that payroll practitioners can step into. And I think if they don't, then HR practitioners are gonna gonna step into it because HR already owns employee experience in many organizations, right? And I think there's opportunity for payroll to start thinking of itself more than just a payroll process, but where the payroll experience. Connecting the quality of payroll to maybe even the quality of life that people experience because you know people's quality of work impacts their quality of life. Um, yeah. So hopefully yeah. I answered your question, but but I think there's there's a huge opportunity here, and someone's going to seize it uh, to become more employee experience oriented and less process oriented around payroll. No, those are those are some really great thoughts, and and we you know we. We don't have the answers. We we just go out there and we try to kind of learn from 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 the marketplace. So, and this is just those are just a couple of ideas we we had. And I think you make some really good points around um, payroll. Whoever's owning, whoever owns payroll, stepping up to the plate and really kind of expanding their 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 understanding of what it is they are in fact doing. Um, I think that's 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 a major point. I'd like to go back to something. Uh, you talked about sort of stage one, stage two, and stage three. Stage three being sort of the 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 um, the halcyon sort of end end game, you know, where it's all unified global payroll. Um, uh, if you can get there, that's great, and uh, what that's what you folks help with. And then stage one being, you know, hey, we're just we're just building on our payroll as we go reactively, just to make sure we can get a ton, and and then looking behind after a few years and saying, well. Oh crap! <laughs> Look at that thing. We gotta, we gotta fix that, right? So there's this stage two area. What are some of the things that happen? In you touched on a little bit, you know, PEOs and that sort of thing. But what are, what are some of the more innovative, um, newer, more novel ideas around um, that help make stage two happen? That that get you to stage two before you get to stage three. Yeah, that get you into a into a into a stage two state. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a couple of things. I think one is you're an organization that's now willing to ask more of your payroll data. So you start to think, OK, I need to aggregate a lot of my payroll information, even if I'm going to see the fact that I can't standardize everything into one technology. Maybe I can at least get the data into one place so I can start to make business decisions around it. So that becomes important. And that's a strategic shift in the organization to say, there's value in payroll data, and I want to 
I want to extract that value in someone. So I think can that's I one. For a sec can I stop for a second? And I didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought, but what is the value in the payroll data? I, I, I'm not doubting you at all. I can yeah, think yeah, of some, yeah. just for viewers. Yeah, like what, what are yeah. some of those nuggets? Yeah, there's so many, there's so many interesting examples around this, right? So I, I think we all intuitively understand that it costs more to hire someone in some regions than other regions. Yeah. But when you are a large, large organization and you can pick among 50 countries that you're going to hire from, you're going to want to get really granular around, well, yeah, I might be paying this much to hire this talent in this country versus, but what are some of the other taxes? What are the implications around local and statutory items that I'll need to pay? Well, if I hire someone in this country, I also have to give them 30 days of vacation. If I hire somebody in this country, I might have to pay additional taxes. So that kind of intelligence right there informs hiring decisions, right? <clears throat> and that's just one example where an organization can say, we want to get smarter about where we hire. And, and if the pandemic really allows organizations to start sourcing labor from anywhere, mm -hmm. I think payroll data is going to become even more important. Um, so that's just one example, but there are a lot of other use cases around um, how you can use payroll data. I think we, we've seen an interesting one recently where, you know, organizations will often hire someone and they will have a designated start date. Oftentimes that start date is dictated by the payroll process. Okay. Not always the case, it's dictated by the payroll process. So you might have to wait, you, you know, you found a great candidate, they went through all the interviews, but now you've got to wait three weeks for them to start. Mm -hmm. Well, if you really study the payroll data and understand it, you might understand that there are ways for this person to start earlier. Okay. And, and, and think about how, if you do this on a global scale with hundreds and hundreds of employees, how much sooner you can onboard them, how much sooner they can start to be meaningful contributors to, you know, whatever your organizational mission is. You know, and in, in, in aggregate, that's a major boost to productivity, right? Absolutely. That, that, comes, yeah, that translates to the bottom line, absolutely. Um, so, so visibility into the payroll data, single sort of uh, getting to not a single source of truth, but being being able to sort of wrangle all, or round it all up, herding all the cats of data into one place. So exactly. at least you have them in one place. Yeah. What are some of those? Some of the other things um, that getting getting a getting organization to a, to a solid stage two state. Yeah, I think another thing that becomes important when you're just trying to get away from stage one to stage two is data integration, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got this awesome HR application that you've deployed globally. All of your employees go in and complete the information there. But for your employees in Brazil, if they want to see their pay slips, they go to one system. For your employees in, you know, in China, they have to go to another system. So you've got this disjointed employee experience around how do I get information about my paycheck? Mm -hmm. And you also have double entry across the board. Right. Your payroll practitioners are entering data twice, your payroll, um, your HR practitioners are doing it as well. So at some point, data integrity becomes such a big problem for large organizations that they, they almost have no choice. They have to say, look, we've got to consolidate vendors and create some integration points between both our HR applications, mm -hmm. but also our finance organization, you know, the general ledgers, all of the things that are outputs out of the payroll process as well. So that's the, I think we, we see that as the second biggest driver for migrating from that local vendor model to an aggregator model. 
And then from there, you start organizations as soon as they settle and get comfortable in the second model, they immediately go, I need to make the next step. Right. right. So and they in the second model for too long. Yeah. Well, that's, but they probably feel, feel more settled. They feel like, okay, I got this kind of under control. I, I feel like now I can, now I can actually think about unified. It's, it's almost, it's something that's almost unfathomable when you're at, at the sort of lo the local model stage one. Uh, I mean, I'm at, you know, from a psychological standpoint. Yeah. And, and Brent, I think you and I talked a little bit about, well, why is payroll one of those best of breed functions and not just, especially on a global side, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think that's, I, I mean, how many payroll HR companies do you know that do global payroll? Not many, not yeah. many. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, we won't name them, but there, there's a couple and, um, and, and, um, uh, and it's almost as <laughs> maybe their one last claim to fame too <laughs> for a couple of them. Uh, but uh, but <laughs> and, 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 sorry. Uh, but but in any event, um, uh, yeah. yeah. It, 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 you did. You beat me to it because one of these things that um, that I was about that I wanted to make sure. So thank you that we hit on was touched on was this idea that of global payroll as as a. I hesitate to say bolt on because we're not talking about bolting something on, but but it's it's a a, a best of breed point solution, you know. And and just if 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 I may, just for a moment here, um, it's really interesting how there's there there's actually a lot of stuff, at what I like to call the epicenter of HCM, the 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 essentials for employing people, whether it be time and attendance, scheduling, or or clearly payroll, right? Payroll prime being the number one essential that you need need in order to employ people. Um, not even let's take probably out of that. It is. Um, so it's interesting that at the epicenter of HCM, when I it's really WFM and payroll, right? There are there's so much real specialization and best of breed point solutioning, as we'll call it, at, at that level. So let's talk about that a little bit more. I mean we we did we touched on it earlier but could we just dive a little bit deeper here into why is it that payroll global payroll is su such a specialized thing you know i think at the heart of it i think you can i think you can fix the technology issue i think you can figure out how to standardize payroll across the globe and bring it into a single tech stack and, and you know, that's that's part of what we've done. So I don't think it's so much of a technology issue for why it's that way. It's really that knowledge, that specialization of really local requirements okay. that that make it it's it's not just that it's a separate best of breed, it's also that you know a lot of organizations that manage HR in-house, global HR in-house, don't manage payroll in-house. Okay. Because it's it's difficult to imagine a company that's gonna have 40, 50 countries for their workforce and have a number of payroll experts that understand everything in that country. Mm. Right? So, so the people element here of just having that knowledge, those experts on the ground in a country that can give you the intelligence to know how to interpret a particular tax uh, you know, or a particular statutory regulation, that I think is one of the things that keeps these as separate organizations. And, and for multinational companies, it then becomes an integration issue. 
If I can connect and seamlessly with today's API, seamlessly connect my HCM, my ERP, my finance application to my payroll processing application, then I'm getting the best of everything. Mm-hmm. Now, there are HCM organizations that I think do a good job doing four or five countries. Mm-hmm. But often those organizations require you to have those people in-house. So you have to have the UK, the France payroll in-house that can execute on it. And I think it's one of those things that organizations like to outsource that really specialized expertise about a country payroll when it's outside of their HQ country. That's really interesting. And it made me think of something. So would it be... Would it be uh, reasonable to say that to be a global payroll prov- provider, you yourself, so a vendor that ha- that wants to be a global payroll provider must itself be a global organization, would you say? I, I think so, absolutely. Okay. We, I, I think you get there slowly. We, we're in, I think we're in 12 different countries at this point. Yeah. And you can have shared service centers, right, and, and bring that expertise. Like in, in our Budapest office, we have people that know how to do payroll in 10, 15 countries. Mm-hmm. So you are able to consolidate and bring some of those people together into shared services. Uh, but yeah, I think both from, a, from your capability standpoint, but also from a support standpoint, right? When you're offering payroll support or any kind of support to people globally, you want to have cultural awareness. You want to have linguistic capabilities so to support them in their region. Um, mm. And you want to have time zone support. So I think those, all of those components almost necessitate a global nature to that vendor landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. one of the things that resonates when people buy global payroll, they want to know you have the technology. They want to know you have the experts. But they also want to know, hey, can I talk to somebody at 2 a.m.? in Singapore who's able to answer this specific legislation because if I don't get an answer, I'm going to have an angry, angry employee, right? Or yeah. an employee that doesn't get paid. Um, so yeah, I, I think you have to be global. Yeah, I, I think so too. And you know, to be a global, I mean, global payroll takes more than technology. I mean, it takes people. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you yeah. mentioned uh, a couple minutes ago. You said that you, in in your sort of in your estimation, you think that it is possible, um, in you know, at some point to really solve global payroll from a technological standpoint. You know, to, to have one solution, one technology that's going to handle it all. And, and and you're probably right about that, but you'll still need the people. You'll still need the people. You'll still need the people. And, and I think, you know, it comes down to process standardization. Like the technology is now good enough that you can standardize the payroll process across different countries. And maybe you'll only get to 90% of the standardization. There's still idiosyncrasies in every country. But 90% allows you to deploy advanced technologies like robotic process automation, like AI, right? All of a sudden, you can take advantage of technology that likes or or capabilities that require large data sets. There's no point deploying it if if you don't consolidate the databases behind your payroll. Um, That that, I think is possible. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. That sounds AI. That sounds like a great place to start next time we we chat. (laughs) 
I mean, to be honest, I just looked at the time and and I, I we're actually a little bit over. I mean, this has been fantastic. Um, I'd love to delve into AI now, but but I I feel like that'll be another half hour. I mean, let's you know let's let's give our our viewers let's give them uh, this information bite sized chunks. Um, Sounds great. Thank you so much, David, for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. Brent, it was it was great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Take care. Take care.